Hey, everyone. Welcome to Queerly Recommended, the podcast where we recommend queer books, TV shows, films, and more. I'm Tara Scott, and I review sapphic fiction at the Lesbian Review and Smart Bitches Trashy Books. This week, I am recommending a web series. And I'm Chris Bryant, a contemporary romance writer for Bold Strokes Books, and I will be recommending a 2022 movie. If you would like to support the show, there's links in our show notes where you can contribute to our coffee or sign up for our newsletter, or even just if you have a friend that is always on the lookout for more LGBTQ books, TV shows, all those things I just listed, tell them all about it because we would love to connect with them in their ears. So Chris... Congratulations! Catch is here! It's out! It's out! It's everywhere! I'm so happy! So... The reviews have started kind of coming in. You've been... You've been able to see through NetGalley and... You said something interesting. When we were... When we were uh, preparing for this, you said something interesting is happening with reviews. What's happening? They are... So up and down is a roller coaster. And I know that when the reviews are up and down, I know that I have written something that is kind of exciting because the people who actually liked it and the way it was written, they loved it. Mm-hmm. But the people who really didn't like the format were just kind of meh, okay about it. So it's been a roller coaster of reviews. I have to admit, like, as a reviewer, as a critic, I like seeing a book get reviews that are really all over the place like when a when a book is really polarizing and i think the reason that i love it is that no matter what it's provoking something right and i find that yes very interesting because if i come across a book and there's nothing but like overwhelmingly positive reviews especially i mean for me at this point on goodreads with all the people i'm friends with if it's nothing but positive reviews but none of them are by people that i know well, then I get incredibly suspicious because I'm like, oh, were these all paid for? <laughs> like, <laughs> what happened here? Yeah, mine are definitely not. And, you know, and I get the same thing over and over again. Um, the first person problem. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, a lot of people don't understand first person and why writers choose to write in first person because they always want to know the love interests, you know, thoughts and feelings. Mm-hmm. And you only get that in dialogue in first person. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times people question that they want to know about the love interest. But you know what, that's this isn't third person. This is first person. And you're in the head of the one main character. And that's it. And, you know, that's how I like to write it, because it could be more emotional, I think, in first person than it can in third. So everybody, I'm sure is going to fight me on that. But I've written both. And I feel like just as first person, you can get more in depth with emotions, you know, because you're, you're talking like, you're writing from the the main character's heart. You know, you're writing from their heart. Yeah, I think you get you get much closer to who that character is. And I have come across yes. some romances that are told in the first person, but it switches perspectives. So you do get to see both. And that that can be interesting. But I think I agree with you in the sense that for me, like I love coming across a book that's in the first person where at the end of the book I still feel like I understood the other love interest's journey and how they came on it. And I know that that takes very careful, and obviously I don't know from firsthand experience, I have not written a book. I doubt I ever will, but uh, exactly who will. But you can, for me, 
one of the factors that determines the success of a first person romance is how well does the author manage to bring through the other character? Like, how is that happening? And it's often in little things that even though I'm reading it in the perspective of of that other love interest, and maybe that other love interest isn't picking up on things, there's things for the reader to pick up on. And it might be the way, you know, the way that other character is looking at them. It might be a body language thing. It might be something they say or something that they start to say and then don't finish saying. Like there's, I feel like there's a lot of really interesting, fantastic ways to work with it. But also I recognize there are some people that like first person just isn't for them. So, And it's like, my advice is if you don't like first person, don't ask for a book. Don't ask to review a book. Because I can't tell you how many of my reviews start with, I really don't like first person books. Does it usually follow with but? Because that is uh, always great. Sometimes it does. I mean, yeah, sometimes it does. It's like, oh, it's, you know, I don't really like first person books. Just know like 85% of my books are first person. So if you're Mm -hmm. requesting it, know that you're going to get first person. And if you don't like first person, then don't, don't ask for my book. I mean, I think that's fair, right? Yeah, I do. Well, I do think it's fair. But also a part of me thinks... Maybe give it a try and challenge those hmm. conceptions anyway, especially if it's been a while. That's true. That's true. And there are some excellent first-person writers out there for sure. Like some of the big ones in our industry are first-person writers. Mm-hmm. I know that there is a want and a need for them, but I also know that that is one thing that it's really hard to get readers to jump on that ship. And I don't know why that is. Well... I think I was kind of that way at first, and then I've come around to realizing that I'm I'm good. I'm really good with first person now. Where I have a problem is if it's first person and it's in the present tense. Mm-hmm. It, that's a hard one, but it can be done successfully too. Yes, but it does take uh, it takes a lot. It takes a lot to to write that way. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because that's how I wrote Not Guilty and Shameless was both first person present tense, mm-hmm. and that worked for erotica. Totally worked. I know that it wouldn't always work for uh, the most of my books. Yeah. Um, and so I started off that way and then my editor switched me like because I had no concept of first, third, present, past. No idea. Yeah. Like so I finally had to be taught that <laughs> when I first got started. You so did it. I did it. I figured it out. So but yes, so that's that is out. Uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, and, you know, it's football season. So that's right. I think that's a perfect segue because it's time to ask about uh, one of America's biggest football fans and everyone's favorite geriatric dog. How is Molly doing? Yes. So Molly is, let me think about this. She is going to be 16 years old. And here's a funny story. So one of my friends always gives a jar of mixed nuts for Christmas, Mm -hmm. like a big one, like huge, like what you get, like massive whatever yeah canned tomatoes something in it well uh i get mixed nuts and so i was sitting on the couch eating nuts Mm -hmm. just watching tv eating nuts Mm -hmm. and molly always sits with me she is always by my side uh especially glued to my side since i've been back you know since i was up north with my mom she has not left my side she hates to be when i she hates when i go into work Mm -hmm. like she's always sad and mopey so she is like glue Mm -hmm. Anyway, so she's napping beside me, and I look down. I'm like, oh, my God, there's a walnut 
on the towel or on her blanket. Mm -hmm. So I pick it up and I'm like, that's not a walnut. One of her molars (gasps) fell out. I know. (laughs) 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 Yeah. And it was on the towel because I was like, how how did this how did this walnut get over here? <laughs> you know, it was like two feet away, but it was actually a molar, and it was both amazing and awful at the same time. Oh my so, god! Yeah. I bet she but feels she better. Fine. She feels better. Like what she likes to do is she loves to rub her face on everything. Mm-hmm. You know, she always likes to rub, and so I was just like, oh, she. And sometimes I like I itch her little forehead and stuff, you mm-hmm. know, around her eyes, just because I know she can't lift her paws to do that. Yeah. So she had been wiping her face on her blanket, and I didn't think anything of it. And then she wiped voila. a molar right out of her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> she wiped a molar out of her mouth. It was amazing. But I was like, "Wow, what's a what's a walnut doing there?" And I was like, "Oh my, it was heavy." Oh, really? And it was big, a little tiny dog, and it was a big tooth. I mean, it was like an inch wide. Holy crap! It was pretty. Yeah, you'll have to convert that to Canadian thing metric system. I don't I'm know not how sure. Big I actually inches. want to know. Oh, and we know we know what inches are. Jesus Christ! That's how, how we talk about our height. I mean, our, oh yeah, sure, our sure. It's our height we talk about. Well, our driver's license is in centimeters, oh, that's right. but like colloquially, that's we so talk weird. about our height. Like I, for example, am a quite tall five foot one, <laughs> which blows my fucking mind because I think you're like five seven or five nope. eight. No, I and you're continued. just a teeny tiny little yes. thing. I'm gonna put you on my back like Grogu. I have tall energy, like Yoda. Oh my god, wouldn't that be <laughs> hilarious? You're just backpacking me around. I'll dress up like Luke Skywalker. <laughs> you can be Yoda on a backpack. Mm-hmm. GCLS, mm-hmm. we're there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not that tall either, but I'm taller than you. So not, yeah, again, not hard to do. So is my 11 year old. Not hard to do. So is my 11 year old. <laughs> She's really <laughs> pleased amazing. about it, too. <laughs> yeah. And she'll just get taller. Mm-hmm. At least until... I think I stopped growing. I stopped really growing when I was 12. And then I think between 12 and now, I maybe grew an inch. Mm. So... I hit this full statuesque potential when I was 16. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. They're like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> Every year, it's gonna happen. The only thing is, yesterday we're standing next to each other because she's like, she wanted to do the uh, uh, like pull herself up as tall as she can next to me thing. I mean, I don't care. It's not like good for her. I married yeah. someone taller. Isn't that convenient? And um, but she says, oh, but your hair is still taller than me. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, baby. I got and four it's inches. Gonna be for a while. <laughs> I'm gonna have to tell my stylist next week. Don't take too much off the top. It's all I have against this tall child. <laughs> Because once she surpasses you, it's over. Just yeah, it's this over. hair is gonna it's gonna grow to a foot. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Good luck with that. Mm. So tell us about your puppy. Oh, how's that going, Amber? So it's funny because she's at the stage where, like, when I look at her, she looks like an adult dog to me. She was born at the end of April, mm-hmm. so obviously she's not, and she still acts like a puppy. But recently, because we were told by the vet, it's better to wait until after she has her first heat to go and get her spade. So Mm. we waited for that. And she had been doing really well with the potty training. And then she started having accidents in the house again. I'm like, what is happening? And then she, well, then she starts her period. And we're like, oh, I have to tell you, I have never seen a dog in heat before. But like the affinity (laughs) I felt for her. (laughs) 
<laughs> when I look at her laying on the floor, hating her life, like clearly hating <laughs> her life so much. Just this like utter energy of fuck my life. <laughs> And I was like, oh, it's universal. It's it, not aw, just poor baby. Like, what do you do? Like, it's not like you can squeeze squeeze out a drop of Advil for her. <laughs> or, right. Just give her some ice cream. Oh, I know, right? Like, chocolate give is my go-to. You can't do that. <laughs> give her some ice cream. That's good. Aw, poor baby. So, yes. Miss Ember is doing great. She nice. is going in this week. So by the time this episode drops, she will uh, have had her surgery. She will be hating her life because she will be wearing the cone. We actually... Oh, the kind of shame. We, try, we put the cone on her one day last week because she's been she's been so itchy. And we think <laughs> it might be because um, we had been letting her have bully sticks to chew on. Because again, puppy wants to chew all the time. Right. So we've taken her off of those, but like she was scratching so much that she cut like above one of her eyes, inside her ear. So we put a comb wow. on her and it was <laughs> one of the funniest things ever because she I came upstairs. I still I still work mostly from my home office and so which is in the basement. So I come upstairs and I walk in the living room and Neil's sitting on one of the couches. He's playing a video game. And Ember is sitting next to him, but like as a statue almost, <laughs> but like, and, and her like shoulders are up and her head is slumped down and Aww. in that, like, I don't know what to do. And I was like, oh, you poor baby. So I, I went and sat on the other couch and I pulled her up on my lap and she let me pet her. But when I put her back on the ground and so she's on all, f all four, she's like, she's standing and she just does this, like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know. it was so funny and then the other night mm. it's semi-related she was being a real dick so like we would put her out in the she would like ask to go out and so we're thinking well we don't want her to pee in the house so we would let her out but then she would just start barking at either the neighbors or nothing or whatever and so neil was like nope every time i take her out she's gonna go out on the leash on the harness because she also like not only is she barking at them she doesn't want to come back in she thinks it's a game oh and so he's like chasing her and she's and we were just like, no, this isn't happening. <laughs> so he left the harness on her, which I think confused her because she just like stood there by the front door. <laughs> and I was also extremely baked at the time, which probably made it even funnier. But I'm looking over and I'm like, look at her. She's just standing there and she just kept oh, like she stood like she literally stood for probably 15 minutes and i thought it was the funniest thing ever because she's not only is she standing she's staring at him because he's the one who takes her for all the walks so it's just this like Aww. come on dude let's go let's go. let's go yeah so i would say at this point like we're getting a really good sense of her personality and she's curious and she's sneaky and she's quite mm. funny uh, I think our only regret is that we didn't name her Bianca so that her nickname could be Bonk because <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, as, yeah, spatial awareness has been a challenge for her as her body has been changing and growing and there's been Aww. a lot of Bonk in her head <laughs> and things. and But yes, she's sweet and she's wonderful and we're glad that we have her. Yeah, I I love the puppy pictures and then yeah, she looks like an adult dog mm -hmm. when she has the the shave, the new the haircut. Like, oh, know, right? the baby's gone. Yes. Oh. She doesn't look like a tiny puppy. Yeah. Hmm. So, it's been a while 
But we had a couple of listener questions come through. Yay. I'm going to read the first one. You're going to read the second one. This first one has multiple parts. <laughs> so Sagacious Sapphic said, as a newer listener, I'd love to know what you have in the works this year, a bit of a reintroduction about you, your favorite three episodes from last year, and a short list of most anticipated queer media. We're going to go back. We're going to take these one at a time. And I think the one that it makes the most sense to int- to do first is a bit of an intro or an introduction or a reintroduction about us. So, Chris, Brian, mm-hmm. who are yes. you? Yes, I'm Chris Bryant and I write sapphic slash lesbian romance books for the masses. I write first person, as we talked about, but I also write third person. And I do past tense and I do present tense and I'd write it all. And I write for Bold Strokes books. And sometimes I do uh, short stories or novella series as well. But everything of mine can be found uh, everywhere. I say everywhere, but you know, any, anywhere you buy a book. Usually first, first two weeks of any sort of new book of mine comes out at the Bold Strokes books website. And, uh, what else do I do? Um, whatever you want. Oh. No, that's I, I do. I do whatever the hell yeah. I want. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, I do whatever the hell I want. No, um, I have a Patreon. Uh, we raise money for animal shelters across the world. And what else about me? Everybody knows about my dog. Very occasionally oh. on your Patreon, you get drunk with other lesbian authors. I do. I do. I do a lot of video. <laughs> I do a lot of video chats, and I put that as as part of the. Uh, the fun and exclusive content you get by being a Patreon of mine. Mm-hmm. Trying to get back into things right now. Uh, trying to get back into writing. I had that catastrophic event that happened last year. Um, mm-hmm. So my mind really hasn't been in it. Neither has my heart. So I need to, before I get too far away from it, I need to jump back in and, and keep writing. So just for people that didn't notice on on twitter or on facebook when it was announced chris's mom unfortunately um passed away last year it was uh very rough very quick and that's why uh my friend amanda stepped in for a couple of episodes so she doesn't listen to the show but her girlfriend does so <laughs> tanya you can thanks amanda pass yeah. on your thanks again <laughs> to amanda we were Thank really you. really grateful that she was able to just drop in and i mean hey she got me turned on to yuri on ice so that's Perfect. not a bad thing who doesn't want to watch no. two <laughs> sweet boys fall in love over figure skating <laughs> i love that <laughs> <laughs> so the reintroduction about me hi i'm tara mm-hmm. scott <laughs> Hi, Tara. <laughs> so I started professionally reviewing lesfic or sapphic fiction or WLW fiction or whatever you want to call it eight years ago with the Lesbian Review. And since then, I was a reviewer at Curve Magazine for a while. I was a reviewer at Lambda Literary for, I don't know, four or five years. I'm currently one of the staff writers at mm-hmm. Smart Bitches Trashy Books. And... The way that Chris and I actually met, I mean, we had been kind of like friendly on social media, uh, but we wouldn't, I I don't think we would have ended up with Queerly Recommended, except that I used to have another podcast called Let's Do Books. It was a part of the Lesbian Reviews podcast network thing, and that started out as a two co-host kind of book club situation, and then Brooklyn left after a year, and then I just started interviewing authors. and. That was very cool. I got to 
talked to some pretty incredible authors on that podcast, like Anne Bannon, who was writing lesbian pulps in the 1950s, or Catherine V. Forrest, who wrote Curious Wine, without which we don't get, you know, we probably don't get Georgia Beers' books without her, maybe Karen Callmaker, mm-hmm. some of the others. So that was something that was really cool and something I was proud of. But I, after four years, I was pretty tired and I was winding it up. And you had been on the show, I think, twice before I think so, that. Yeah. yeah. And there was another author who was supposed to come in for, it was like the second last episode and they got sick and they couldn't make it. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> I, I'm so <laughs> close to being done. And I needed something for that. And so it's just like, hey, Chris, can you come in for a last minute? You were like, yeah, absolutely. And at the end of it, you said, hey, if you ever want to do a podcast, let me know. And I was like, I'm tired. Let me think about (laughs) it. I need to just not podcast for a while. And then a few months later, you said like, hey, did you think about it? And just kind of said, yeah. And here we are. Yeah. Two years later doing this thing. It's amazing. I know. It's pretty good. It is. So the next part of this multi-part question, what do you have in the works this year? I have two things. I have a novella. Um, This is kind of cool. I think a lot of people will be happy to hear this. It's a novella called Cherish, and it brings back Brooke, Cassie, and Noah from Temptation. Ooh, yes. One of my favorites. That's exciting. Six years in the future. Mm -hmm. Six years. Mm -hmm. And it introduces some more characters, some new characters as well to their community. So uh, it's just a novella. It was something to kind of... I had so much in 2022 that I needed to just chill out. And so Mm -hmm. instead of writing a full length, I just decided to go ahead and write this novella to kind of, you know, not have the pressures of a full length novel. Mm -hmm. So that's been turned in and hopefully that'll come out in May. And then what I'm writing right now is Dreamer. And I'm not quite sure when that's coming out. It's a book that's kind of I don't even know I don't I don't want to give it away. It's just it's a tricky book, I and I absolutely did. I tell you about I it. I think you did. I think yeah. you did. This but one the, has a twist, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. So the last couple of books of mine have had twists because I like the twist. It it mm. I love the reaction of the twists. So I've been putting them in my books more and more because the aha moment mm-hmm. has been. It's always good when you read a book and you're like, son of a bitch, I did not see that coming. (laughs) And that is what I like. I like to give those to readers, especially like if you're so used to my sweet romances and they're pretty, you know, my my big climactic scenes really aren't that big because I don't think that real life, um, your scenes are that big. Sometimes they are. But I feel like sometimes we we go a little extreme when we write Mm -hmm. uh, authors. So most of mine have been, you know, if the character following the true arc of romance, you know, they have to be apart for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And so I try to keep that as realistic as I can. But every so often, I just lately I've been trying this, oh, my God, moment you know, <laughs> where it happens. And so the last couple have had those those aha moments. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this one will as well. So that is what I have in the works. And I'm doing hopefully going to go to GCLS in Denver and then uh, Women's Week this this year. Mm-hmm. So what about you? What, uh, what's going on with you? Well, hopefully 
I'm going to be able to read more this year so I can review more. Last year was not my best year for that. I had quite a hard time reading just at all, like having the focus yeah. and the attention. But also like one of the big things that happened for me near the end of last year was I finally got diagnosed with ADHD and started taking medication for it. And it's like, oh, well, that's kind of life changing. <laughs> and also realizing that like, Part of why I used to read so much was that it was like my hyper focus was kicking in in a way that like it definitely wasn't in the last couple of years. So we'll see. I, I, I would like to do more of that. Something else that I'm quite excited about and you and I have talked about is we want to try and get more guests on for right. bonus episodes. And there's one that we're working on right now that I'm pretty <laughs> excited about. Mm -hmm. really looking forward to having that conversation and then we'll just see from there because i don't think we anticipated the speed from which we could go from like hey wouldn't it be cool to hey we're doing it with yes. which what happened with that conversation with katie and jay from the big brunch like it was just kind of this wild and we were lucky because katie came to us and so now we're kind of talking about, okay, well, who can we, who can we go to? Who can we talk to right. and see what happens there? So those are the things that I know of at this point. <laughs> um, I don't tend to plan too far ahead. It's also easier for me because like you have to plan your book writing schedule versus right. I just need to like read or watch things and then review them or talk about them here. So, <laughs> all right. This is probably the toughest question. What are your three favorite episodes uh, from last year? Well, you know, the big brunch where we had Katie and Jay yes. is a top favorite for sure. Yes. Agree. I feel like the whole year was just like lumped into, I can't tell if it was the first year or second year. <laughs> well. It's one of those where, oh, oh, we did the, um. The Boundaries episode yes. where we had Jay. Yeah, that was a great episode as well. Yeah, I was thinking about that one too. So that was, we talked to Jay, the author, and then Sarah Wendell joined. She's the, mm -hmm. the founder and head of all things at Smart Bitches Trashy Books. Because there was this big conversation happening on Twitter at the time about how there are some authors and it definitely happens in other parts of fiction but it's like quite right. a big problem in in lesfic of readers not respecting authors boundaries and like the sexual harassment and stalking and stuff like that that's been happening and i think i'm really proud of that one too because i yeah, think that's that's a great one a conversation that not only needed to be had it continues to need to be have had and hopefully it's something that we can just get to to stop because right. it's hard and unfair because i think there is this so many lesbic authors don't have publicists don't have like that wall in place that can handle all of the media inquiries and because that access is there and so much of self-promotion means being on twitter but like just like the title says these people are mistaking access for permission and they're not the right. same. So, yeah, I agree. That's a good one. Do you have another one? Uh, the thing that's nice is if you choose three, then I can choose three different ones. And I can just agree with all of yours. <laughs> and then <laughs> choose three totally different. And then, ha-ha. I was thinking of those two as well. Oh, good. So I got those from you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. There are just so many. 
go ahead and start talking. You you start yours, and then I'll have to. I'm going to review the the list. I this is a brand new question. I didn't have time to review. So I'm going to look at our past episodes, and I'm going to tell you which one I had the most fun on. Well, I remember but, having a lot of fun with you on the day that we talked about how Stan- Stanley Tucci is the Tony Collette of men, <laughs> and Tony Collette is the Stanley that Tucci was a good of women. One. <laughs> that was just, like, fun and silly and a good time. And that was one where it was just the two of us. I feel like those are a little harder. Like, they don't stand out as much because we have a format. But I, but I specifically remember that one being a lot of fun. Um, but the interviews this year, I really really enjoyed and had a lot of fun with in terms of the ones that you were there for i also really enjoyed the conversation with sinclair sexsmith i'm i'm quite proud of that one they edited the best lesbian erotica i think that collection and just talking about like desire and kink and how it's all political i thought was really interesting our conversation with radcliffe also for pride yeah that was a good was one. a really really good and interesting one because she i mean she's such a powerhouse but part of what i love talking to her about is that she's not just an author but she's a publisher like she's the head of bold strokes books and has you know formed a company and has seen the industry change and grow so i thought that was really great Sorry, Sagacious Sapphic, we can't be bound to three. It's just not happening. Right. I also, like, on a personal <laughs> All of note, them. you weren't there for it, but my <laughs> conversation with Melena Mackay about truth and measure, that just filled my soul. I needed to have that conversation with somebody. <laughs> and finally. And who better with than oh, Melena? Yeah. Right? She's so, and right. I love, like, I love her books too. So, like, just getting to talk to her at all was like, and, right. and then getting to talk to her about that was doubly, and then it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't recorded for the podcast, but I was so grateful that we were able to release the audio on the podcast. But at my company's conference in June, yes. I was just like blessed with the opportunity to for the keynote on the main stage in front of 500 people. I interviewed Jonathan Van Ness, one of the people on Queer Eye. And you rocked it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, right there on the stage, he said Amazing. I could I could rip the audio and throw it up on the podcast feed. And I was like, what? Really? <laughs> yeah. uh, and we followed all the appropriate channels and he confirmed that permission. And so that is one of the things I'm just proudest of, like, in my life and career, because... Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. Like, being able to have that conversation, follow him kind of wherever he wanted to go with it. And we talked about some really important things that are no less important to talk about today, like anti-trans legislation, also talking about like authenticity and duality, the idea of like two opposing truths can still be true at the same time. So those those are probably all of my favorites. Well, and I want to say that what I like about this show is that it brings out and it discusses so many queer things and queer lifestyles. And I'm learning so much on this show. So I I think on Twitter, somebody said, well, I'm not going to read your book because you have queer as a hashtag. I had queer as a hashtag. And I was so offended. Like, how? Well, I don't understand why. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's, hard, it's hard for me to, to think that there are people in our community that just don't like certain words. And I feel like... Between my editor and this show, I've learned so much about what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. 
It's okay to talk about certain things and what vocabulary to use. And I feel like there, this is such an education for me, and I hope it is an education for other people as well. And I just, I, I love the knowledge and everything that, that we are bringing to our community that, you know, people like me who didn't really know anything. Mm-hmm. And then I'm learning as I go. So I love that the show, you know, puts me out of, quote unquote, a, a comfort zone that I used to have and lets me embrace and learn about different types of people in the queer community mm-hmm. that are just fantastic. And um, yeah, so I love I love the show for for what we're doing yeah. for everybody and to make it a safe space for people too. So now it's like people come to me and they're like, well, I don't like the way, the way that you say queer or that you call yourself queer, but I am, and it's a beautiful word, and we're taking it back, mm-hmm. and I don't have a problem with that word at all. Yeah. So you know, I identify queer, lesbian, whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand why some people don't like the word, especially if you talk about some of the elders in our community. Right. Who, when they were growing up, like, that was the slur that was being used against them. I mean, I would not, if I knew I was in conversation with somebody who had that experience, I probably wouldn't use the word queer. Mostly just because I want to sort of respect their experience and where they're at. But at the same time, nobody's going to take that word away from me entirely. I love that word, too, because... I feel like it encompasses my relationship with my gender as well mm-hmm. as my sexual orientation. And it's just easier to say queer than to say, well, I'm gender nonconforming and maybe non-binary, but I'm not really <laughs> sure. And also I'm pansexual. Oh, you don't know what that means? Okay. It's like the same. It's similar to bisexual. But like, <laughs> you can just say queer. It's all of it. It's, it's all the right. things. It's, it's so yeah. convenient. It is. It's a convenient word. Yes. So speaking of queer, do you have a short list of your most anticipated queer media? No, god damn it, no. <laughs> I know that's I just got this question. We're the you worst literally just spraying it. Staying <laughs> on top of So I have one. I have one oh. thing. Lee Winters villain yes! series. Stop is it. Is coming out okay. soon. Yes. I am like so, the end of January. Oh my god, I'm so excited about this. I mean, if you've been following me for a while, then you know, you know, I love Lee Winter's books. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I love a bunch of them. And probably the her if I if I had to guess her best is probably no, fuck it. I'm not even going to. No, I'm not even doing this. I'm not. I'm fighting (laughs) with myself in my head because it's like (laughs) my darlings are punching each other in the face. This isn't working. (laughs) But yeah, I fell in love with her writing from her very first book. I wasn't following her as a fanfic author. To be fair, at that point, I wasn't reading fanfic at that point. But her first book was The Red Files. And it is still one of my very, very, very favorite lesbian books because it's so fun. And at some point, I should probably do. It was nearly the official recommendation today because this series is coming out soon. Mm. But I got to talk about this web series. So maybe, maybe to come. Either way, go read it anyway. And it was mm-hmm. a, it's, um, it's like a romantic suspense and like the dialogue is really snappy and the characters are great. And I fucking love the ice queen in that book. Like it all just worked for me. <laughs> and then there was a follow-up to it, which was also great where we see them getting married, but there was a villain kind of in there in the background mm-hmm. of Catherine Ayers's life. And it was a woman she had been in love with previously who fucked her over who basically was like, this relationship was not as real as she perhaps thought it was. And this series is where that woman (laughs) 
is getting her own love. And I find that very interesting, like redeeming villains. Right. I know. And, and before, like, I don't know if I would have believed it could be done before to take someone that unlikable and then turn them mm-hmm. into a love interest. But I saw Rachel Spangler do it with the book Close to Home because Kelly shows up in one or two previous books of Ray's and is like such a bitch and I couldn't stand her. And I was like, fuck this woman. How come on? (laughs) Like, I'm going to believe in her. And like, even in her own book, she is not easy to like for a lot of it. (laughs) But you you come to understand why she is so closeted and why she behaves the way she does. And she goes on a real big journey. And so that was the book where I was like, ooh, ooh, this could be a good thing. And so now I'm just like rubbing my hands in excitement for this series to drop. So yes, that's my big thing that I'm excited about for this year. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I see what comes through or what's coming down from like, I'll see stuff on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But being a part of Bold Strokes Books, you know, I get to see in advance, like months and months and months in advance of, you know, when the next Melissa Brayden, when the next Georgia Beers, you know, I get to see all that. So I I don't, even movie wise, I've just Mm -hmm. been out of it. So I don't really know. I don't have a list. So I can't really answer that. Actually, at the risk of being extremely cheeky, there's one other thing, and I don't even know if it'll drop this year, but Melina Mackay told me something that she is planning on writing. And swore me to secrecy. Oh, there you go. Giving it away. Uh, I'm going to call her right now. <laughs> uh, all I'm going to say is, oh, it's going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> so I am looking forward to future untitled, undescribed Milena Mackay project that I don't know if it will drop this year, <laughs> but I hope it does because I would like to read it. <laughs> I'm sure it will. Um, I'm sure it will. <laughs> all right. So was- yes, and so we have another question. Yes. Fiona Riley asked the question, what do you both love and hate about the sapphic fiction genre? And so, like, you and I were kind of sort of talking about that a little bit before mm-hmm. we started recording. Books versus community. Like, I'm going yeah. to talk about both. Maybe, because I think, you know, there is a real community of authors and readers that have come together very Mm -hmm. specifically for sapphic fiction, mostly romance, not entirely romance. I think in terms of what I really love, I mean, I first discovered it, oh gosh, the thing that's nice is that I was pregnant at the time, so I can time it around (laughs) that. It's like, okay, so (laughs) if my kid is this old, that means... So yeah, I, I, I first stumbled across it 12 years ago, and at the time, I was back to reading romance. I hadn't been reading romance for a lot of years because I read a lot of it in high school, like as much of it as I could get my hands on. And then I started university as an English literature major and then became a gigantic snob and stopped reading <laughs> romance. <laughs> but I was working at a job where I was very disengaged very unhappy it was a really really toxic work culture at that point but I was also pregnant so I couldn't go anywhere because you know I wanted to have that sweet sweet Canadian maternity leave coverage and so I started reading romance again and then I stumbled on and I read a lot of it and I stumbled on lesbic and I started like very slowly reading it and then it turned into all I was reading and so the things that I loved and to be fair my comparison is based on 
reading very few male female romances in the last 10 years but when i stopped reading uh and they were all hetero romances at that point like Mm -hmm. i was not coming across opposite sex pairings where one or both of them were bisexual in the same way that is much easier to find now Mm -hmm. and it was like the height of the alpha male thing Mm-hmm. which i didn't love because like again like i'm married to a man but like he doesn't act like those jackasses that would show up and we're like i know what you want and it's like fuck off like <laughs> what <laughs> there were there were still things that i Me liked too. about about a lot of it and i don't at all want to say like oh it's all bad like it's not there there are reasons why people make careers off of it like there's some some excellent writing happening but i wasn't connecting with it anymore and I really, uh, I think the thing that I really grew to love is seeing no gender dynamics, <laughs> frankly, that the the love and the character development and all of that is built on other things, not gender roles. And I mean, sometimes we occasionally come across books where like a butch or a more mask character ends up kind of acting like some of those men that I used to read, but that's a choice mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And I still think it's not. Like it's, there's, there's still not that power imbalance that's based on gender. And I always appreciated that. And I don't know. I just, I love reading for me, especially as someone who is in an opposite sex marriage as a, as a queer woman, it feels like another way to kind of connect with that side of myself and it, it's affirming and it's been great to see in the last decade, how the genre has changed how right. it's frankly exploded like the amount mm-hmm. of fiction coming out every month that's available is impossible to keep up with in a way that right. it was slightly more possible to do at that point and now the mainstream like huge the big big huge yes. publishing companies are now yes. welcoming queer fiction uh and so and talk about a saturated market oh what specifically cuz at that point the queer fiction was almost entirely Male, male romance, mm-hmm. mostly written by and for straight women. Right. And at this That's point, so the fact weird. that, you know, big five publishers are putting out sapphic romance written by queer women is incredible. Mm-hmm. Right. In terms of things that I hate about the sapphic fiction genre, I don't actually think there's that much. I mean, there's a couple of things that I tend to soapbox about. Mostly, I wish there were more. I know I've talked about this before. I'm going to talk about it again in the future because it's, is it a soapbox okay. if you don't pull it out every so often? <laughs> I don't think so. I would like to see more safer sex practices. Oh, yeah. Demonstrated. I know it's something that's got been getting a little better, but I'd like to, like, come on, we can, we can do more. Even things like just having conversations. Have you been tested? Perhaps, like I've seen some somewhere it you know talks about gloves or dams or whatever for sex with strangers, and I know some people believe that, and I've seen some some authors express in the past that, well, it takes away from the story. It's not you know it's the fantasy, and I can't. And my challenge is, if the authors writing opposite sex pairing romances can make putting condoms on a completely normal part of it and they went through the whole oh but the fantasy oh but it takes away and guess what (laughs) a decade has proven it doesn't take away it's actually fine and it's good our community can do it too so that's kind of my that's that's my 
that's probably my main thing. And then otherwise, it's like occasionally still stumbling across a little bit of, you know, casual biphobia in a book. Mm. Don't love it. Not my favorite. And same thing in the community. Like the most part, like if we talk about like, okay, are we talking books versus the community? For the most part, the community is wonderful and warm and welcoming. And every so often a transphobe pops up or someone who's biphobic pops up. And like, that's the thing that I think that I hate. And it's still hard. Like anything Mm -hmm. where anything that encourages any kind of uh, anyone encouraging any kind of an us versus them. Like, oh, you're you're trying to get rid of lesbians. No, we're not. Not at all. Nope. Like, (laughs) we want lesbians. Like, be yourself. Be authentic, but include everyone. And kind of similarly in that, like, I sometimes see groups of authors like, oh, no, the indies are doing this. Oh, no, the published authors are doing this. And it's like, can we just come together as a community? Because, like, in my opinion, I think it's been a great thing that the big publishing houses have started publishing this because there are readers that I've seen say, holy shit, you can find romances where both leads are women. Like, that can be their gateway in. And guess where all the Mm -hmm. books are? all the books are with the smaller publishers and with the indies and with the like they don't have a lot of choice by sticking with traditional publishers they have to seek elsewhere so i feel like if we can do a better job of welcoming those authors and welcoming those readers into the community then those readers will be able to find literally thousands of books that can keep Mm -hmm. them going that are just as well written that are just Mm -hmm. as well edited that have beautiful stories that are incredibly affirming so those are mine what about you (laughs) Oh my goodness, I have to yeah, follow that. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Yeah, because you had so many things I wanted to jump in and jump and say yay or nay or whatever. Uh, yeah, so now, I mean, it's, fuck, don't do that to me. <laughs> Next time I'm going to interrupt. Yeah. I do, I agree with the uh, the whole, you know, us versus them, you know, and people who are turfs or mm-hmm. whatever. I don't like, as far as our community, I don't like people who say they're anti-bully but they bully people behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that as a writer, you know, and you really can't like call things out because you just don't, you don't want to be that person. But, you know, our community is small. And I think that everybody kind of knows a little bit about everybody. And that's what I like. I mean, I do like that. It's a good thing. And mm-hmm. it's a bad thing. I love that at GCLS or at P-Town or wherever, that you can meet your readers and you can talk to them and have conversations with them. And I, I'd love people who, like readers who meet their fans or readers who meet their, like... Oh, uh, their idols, do, like who they've been looking up to. Yeah, idols. So like what I love to do, and this is what I did, one of my patrons really loves Karen mm-hmm. Callmaker, like absolutely adores Karen. Yeah. And so at GCLS, I mean, they were very, very nervous. And I said, look, her, let's, I know Karen, let's go, let's go meet her. Yeah. Let's go. And they like freaked out, like had to sit down, literally Aww. had to sit down. So I went and got Karen and I interrupted a conversation that she was having and I brought her over and I had her meet uh, a mm-hmm. big fan. And so I love that. I love that we still have that in our community. Yeah. I love that even though we are approachable, you know, whether you you can reach out to us on Twitter or any social media platform, that there's still that magic of, oh, my goodness, you know, I'm meeting this person that I've read for years and years and years. And so I love the magic of that still. And I'm glad that we still have that regardless of how close we are and how our community is so small because of social Mm -hmm. media. So 
And as far as the writing, I don't really, I don't know that there's anything I really hate. Like there's some things that I personally just don't like in my own personal Mm -hmm. thing, my, my tastes, you know, what I like to read, what I don't like to read. But I don't know that I have anything that I share with anybody because it's just all a personal taste. Preference. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the thing that's most frustrating is if I start reading a book and and I feel like I've read that book before. That's right. that's there the only that. thing. But also, like, it's a small community and we love our tropes. And that's okay. So yeah. we love our tropes. We love our tropes, but we, but don't copy, like, yeah the like another book or another movie or something don't don't make something don't just change it to sapphic and call it your own no no all right oh wow we spent a lot of time on (laughs) i know we need to actually talk about like (laughs) queer queer stuff well we did talk about a lot of queer stuff and also let's yeah we did let's be honest sagacious sapphic was quite cheeky in uh providing (laughs) one question that was four questions but also that was really 27. Hat tip to sagacious sapphic, because I would do the very same. Like, you're going to constrain me to one thing? Here's four things in the one thing. Nope. Like, you are clearly, oh, you are true. clearly our people. So, Chris, Clever. what have you been yes. reading or watching lately? Okay, so, so I watched half the season of Married at First Sight, mm-hmm. season 10. It just came out on Netflix. There are 10 and, seasons of this uh, show? Right? I know. Who knew? I didn't even know that it existed. We were just compiling the outline and you told me about it. And I said, sounds like the best kind of trash. <laughs> so it is the best. Ca- okay. So so it's not queer and it's not even that good. But <laughs> you know that I'm a sucker for people using unconventional ways on, on you know mm-hmm. getting together or finding yeah. love. And so, so I'm on like episode 10 and like, fuck, I just need mm-hmm. to know. Like, I cheated. I fucking cheated. I looked. I Googled mm-hmm. it. I Googled who's together from season 10 because after eight Is hours anyone? of watching it and taking down, what do I want to yes. run it? I, I was take okay, so I was taking down all my Christmas decorations and just kind of cleaning up the living room and stuff. And so I just had it on and then I was invested because mm-hmm. I'm like, huh, I wonder if they're really going to get mm-hmm. along. And so the answer is yes. <gasps> Whoa. Let's leave it there. Yes. You don't need to spoil it further, but at least one couple at least one couple made it so uh so there's good that. for them and i'm re-watching the sopranos and because mm-hmm. I, I watch it when i when i'm working out so like when i'm at planet fitness or even when i'm downstairs on the treadmill i mm-hmm. I, I watch the sopranos i don't know why that is but that's just <laughs> that just it just gets you motivated you just want to run you- <laughs> i want to run and it turns out that i can be bought i mean like here's tony soprano trying to to give this guy some money just for like hey why don't because he feels bad he gets this guy fired this cop fired Mm -hmm. and he feels bad and he finds out he kind of runs into this this ex-cop at a um statuary statuary is that where it is where they where's the um oh why can't i think of it where they sell statues and anyway bird baths and things like that fountains so anyway so he goes there and he sees this cop and so he feels bad about getting him fired, so he tries to like tip him, and the guy's mm-hmm. like, "No." He's like, "I just need you to make sure this fountain gets to my house," and you know, and tries to slide him some money, and the the guy's like, "No." I'd have been like, mm-hmm. "Hell yeah!" <laughs> so it turns out I'm like, "Great, I can be bought." So um, it's good to so, know this about yourself. <laughs> oh, it's like I didn't know that about. Nice myself. of you to put it out to the world too. <laughs> yes. So then, so I don't know why, but mm-hmm. I thought Bird Box Part 2, which is called Mallory, I thought that was out. Okay. 
What's Bird? What is Bird Box? It okay, sounds familiar, but okay. I can't remember. So Bird Box is a movie with Sandra Bullock. Oh, it is that one yes. with the blindfold. Yes, the blindfold. Okay. So I rewatched that movie because I was going to watch Mallory last night when I realized it's mm-hmm. not even out. I didn't even know. Oh like, no! How I thought that it was, but anyway, so I had <laughs> forgotten all about it. Really, I mean, for the most part, I couldn't remember how it ended. Still good. Yeah, still good. So I was like, cool. So I'm ready for Mallory whenever it comes out. Mm-hmm. And of course, American NFL football because it's playoffs, mm-hmm. and my mm-hmm. team is still in it. Hey! Yeah. Congratulations. Yes. This is great news. Yes. And so, like, we had this massive one of the players. I don't know if you heard about it up there in Canada. Oh yeah, the yes. guy who had that was horrifying yeah. for people Tomorrow that Hamlin. are watching. It was by the time this comes out, it'll have been a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. What was it? He took like a hit to the chest from yeah. somebody's helmet or something. Yeah, it was really weird. Like he 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 got the hit and then he stood up and then he fell right back down and his heart gave out. Yeah. Or I mean his heart stopped twice. And so they had yeah. to revive him on the field twice, which had never happened before. Like mm-hmm. so like the whole country like just came together and in support of him. And he's doing better. He has Good. the breathing tube out. Everything's great. And it's interesting because like his, so I was like, who out there is going to be the jerk that tries to start a GoFundMe? You know, because mm-hmm. whenever there's a situation like mm-hmm. this, people always try to take advantage. And so he legit has his own GoFundMe for his charity, which is like Toys for Kids. It's not Toys for Tots. It's his own little mm-hmm. charity. And mm-hmm. he had a goal of $2,500. And as of last night, it was over $8 million. Oh, wow. There's a lot <laughs> of kids like, that's amazing. Yeah. next year. So, wow. yeah. Isn't that amazing? So, and like the whole NFL, you know, they've been like wearing his, his shirt, you know, number three, mm-hmm. his number. So, I mean, it's just, I love it when things like, I mean, unfortunate, it was an unfortunate event, but he's okay. Yes. And I love yeah. how the whole entire country came together, not just the NFL. The only thing that I found appalling was, I mean, when you're saying the NFL, you're talking about the NFL players. I'm about to say the NFL, and I mean, like, the organization. Oh, yeah. And what I thought was awful was they tried to say that the two teams could have a five-minute break. Yeah. And then they had to get back to playing. And what I loved <laughs> was the coaches saying, fuck that. Yep. No. Nope. This game is over. Yeah. We are off of this field. Like, yeah. watching that would have been traumatic so to expect but again i mean that's just kind of capitalism right like right so what you experienced a a trauma get back Mm -hmm. to work so yeah i loved that the coaches made the call yeah and put the people first right because that was a time that was a time for them to come together it was a time for waiting it was a time for just like collective support Mm -hmm. it wasn't a time to perform right and and you know we've had bad accidents in the NFL. We've had people break legs before yeah. and um, things like that. But this is the first time that somebody's actually their heart stopped twice. Yeah, so I'm glad that they just called the game. I mean, that was the right mm-hmm. thing to do. But yeah, NFL. Yeah. I just mean like by the players and just oh, yeah. the fans. I mean the fans. Yeah. There's just millions and millions of fans out there. So. Yes. So everybody, I have not seen anything negative about it. Like nobody said, oh, let's just play blah, 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 it's football. This kind of shit happens. Like nothing. I have not seen anything at all. And it's just been beautiful. Like that fills my heart. 
my whole. The only thing I've seen is some anti-vaxxers oh. try to use that oh, as proof fuck. that you shouldn't vaccinate. And it's like fuck <laughs> off. God damn, they're going to be saying that for everything, for any reason whatsoever, forever. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Just as a reminder, as as part of a reintroducing people to ourselves, we are pro-trans, pro-vaccination. If mm-hmm. that's, I mean, we're not saying like forcibly or anything like that, but. Generally speaking, we we believe in the science and we think right. it's a good idea. And we also believe in uh, positive, enthusiastic, safe sex practices in our fiction. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. What about mm-hmm. you? What What have you been reading and watching? Okay. So the Christmas holidays came and went and I took three weeks off for them. And it was amazing. (laughs) And I did a bunch of things. And now I'm realizing that as I put together the like, oh, what have I been reading and watching that I may have left a couple of crucial things off of my list, which is why I'm speaking very slowly as I get to (laughs) the show notes for the last episode to make sure that I'm not. Oh, good. I didn't talk about this last time. Okay. 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 So one of the first things I did when I was on vacation, because my kids were still in school for the first part of the vacation, and Neil had been saying to me, you need to play the game Pentiment. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm going to play the game Pentiment. And then, and so I played this game in two days. Wow. It probably took, it's probably about a 15 hour game. And I played it in two days because the writing is so good. And you don't have to be a good gamer to play this game there is no sword fighting you're not pointing and shooting it's none of that to me it's not quite a visual novel because you do have to like move around a map and you are making choices and stuff like that but it's like for sure chris you could play this if you (laughs) you might actually even be able to play it on your laptop it is available on xbox it is available on steam it takes place in 16th century bavaria wow And it is a murder mystery. There are three acts. In each act, you are solving one mystery. And then there is an overarching something going on that kind of explains all of this. And between the first and second act, there's a seven-year break. Between the second and the third act, there is an 18-year break. And just given when it takes place, you see a lot of things like the role of the church in society. Because at that Mm. point... The church is a political, very much like it is a part of the political landscape. Absolutely. Huge is a, is a great way to put it. You are playing a character who is in this tiny town in Bavaria, early 1500s, and he is at a monastery because that was when like, so the printing press was in place, mm-hmm. but printing books was not fully a thing yet. And so before the printing press books were reproduced in monasteries for the Mm -hmm. most part. Like you would commission a monastery to basically take this book, copy it by hand, draw what, or not draw, but like, well, draw and then paint, I suppose, whatever illustrations that you want to have in there, all of that. It was an industry. And so you are a guy who is apprenticing there and a baron who is quite the asshole (laughs) is murdered. He's visiting this village to check on a book that he's had commissioned. And he is murdered and there are a bunch of people who have reasons to have killed him and you have to kind of try to figure out who it is and then you know you come back later in seven years and then you it is so 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 good oh wow 
Neil finished playing it probably <laughs> three to four weeks before I did. And he turned it off and he burst into tears. And I was like, what is happening? And so we had a good kind of conversation about it because the thing is, given when it takes place, like you come, you come back in a second or third act and there are people that aren't there Uh who had been there in previous acts. And like, when you think about it, this is a time when you better hope you don't get a UTI or appendicitis or an infected finger or right. Like, it is not the same kind of medicine that we have today. Like people were dying, like babies, the the infant mortality rate was something oh, like yeah. 50%. And it's just such a beautifully written story. And the way it deals with like so many themes, grief, like again, the church as political force, mm-hmm. the increasingly awful treatment of peasants how they're being ground further and further out like it's just oh it's so good so neil said it was probably one of the best written games he'd ever played and wow. i was like well i'll see and then i played it and was like oh i'm a fucking puddle and it's one of the best game <laughs> best written games i also have ever played uh the only reason it's not an official recommendation is that it is not it's not a queer game mm. there are two tiny queer things mm-hmm. in it i'm not going to spoil them because they're delightful when you start uh, when you find them, them. But yeah it's not re- <laughs> yeah it's not really enough for an official recommendation when we are mm-hmm. recommending queer media but if you are a gamer i wholeheartedly recommend it because it's just such a beautiful game hmm. drag race nice. of course i continued watching <laughs> all the drag races uh yes. canada versus the world is done uh the top four in my opinion were absolutely correct uh, it was great. The person, Raja O'Hara won. Again, I would have been fine. I think I would have been fine with any of the top four winning. But mm-hmm. when Raja won, I was like, this feels correct. However, if any of the other ones would have won, I also would have said, hmm, this, this feels, feels correct. correct. <laughs> so it's kind of nice when that happens. Season 15 of the main franchise has just started. Mm. And... I am quite excited because Sasha Colby is on this season and Sasha Colby is like the drag queen's drag queen. She is the drag queen that so many drag queens love. And so it's really exciting to see some of like why they love her. She's just mm-hmm. this incredible. Last season, her one of her drag daughters, Carrie Colby, performed. And so like Carrie, she is a trans woman. She's fucking fierce. I hope she goes really far. I can't wait to see how that goes. I've been playing another game on my Switch lately. It's called Validate. It's an indie game. It's very, very, very queer. Nice. The opposite of Pentiment. It's incredibly queer. (laughs) It's just about online dating. So there are four main characters. They each go on... Well, technically, I suppose they're it's saying that they're all going on dates, but I think we're stretching the boundaries of the term date a little bit, and I'm okay with that. I don't think any of the main characters are white. Nope. None of the main characters are white. And a lot of the characters that they can date are also not white. There's non-binary characters. You can date anybody of any gender. There are men who wear makeup. Like, it's very cool. The only reason it's not an official recommendation. And, like, I really, really, really wish I could give this game an official recommendation. And I would for the writing. For the characters, mm-hmm. for the way the characters grow. Because, like, the first character that you can play, 
I played it and I'm like, this guy is an asshole. <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about this. I don't think I want to play this, but I kept going anyway. And like seeing the way he changes as he's dating these people, I was like, oh, this is very interesting to have like that kind of growth in a visual novel. Like, very good. But the controls for playing it on the Switch are very bad, mm. unfortunately. And so I am going to say, like, if you are someone who has a Switch, but also you have a Steam account and you play things on your computer, like, 100% play it on Steam. It's probably great when you can play it with an actual mouse. But, like, you're having to use the joystick to move oh, the cursor yeah. over to click on a button. Oh, and it's like, sucks. what? Like, it doesn't make sense. And going back... Like, if you want to go back in the conversation log, that is murder to use <laughs> with the joysticks. Like, it is truly unpleasant. And I almost threw my, like, I wanted to throw my Switch all across the room. It was awful. And I find it crashes a lot. So hmm. it's tough. I would love people to support it because it's an indie game, because it's so queer, but also just know that the experience on the Switch is no unfortunately not good. I hope they can patch it to make it more usable to play but go get it on the steam and the other thing the okay so the other thing that i got into and frankly i'm still kind of into it and it's not queer <laughs> but like it's also fun i finally got on the train of watching the hot ones on youtube do you know what i'm talking no, about uh -uh. it's the hot wing interview show it's the guy who interviews He's, in, he's done, like, hundreds of these interviews with celebrities and some, like, really, really big celebrities, too. And he's having them eat 10 progressively hotter chicken wings <laughs> as they do the interviews. That's hilarious. <laughs> and so for some of them, like, Kumail Nanjiani was, like, sweating and, like, he was able to get through the whole thing, though. And a lot of them do get through the whole thing. And it seems to be partly, like, a almost like it's like a pride. And I think it's engineered in a way that encourages them to go the whole way because the host matches them wing for wing. Oh. And if they only take one bite off a wing, he only takes one bite. If they eat the whole wing, he eats the whole wing. That's awesome. And he asks really, really good, insightful, interesting questions. I thought it was hilarious watching Taraji P. Henson because at one point she's like, and I'm done. I'm bringing this guy in. He's going to eat the rest of them for me. <laughs> <laughs> and she did. She brought somebody in. If you want to see ones that are fantastic, but where like the guests are not like they can handle the spice so it's not ruining them, mm -hmm. then I actually really recommend Dax Shepard and then Kristen oh, cool. Bell. Oh, that'd be great. And yeah. <laughs> in that order. Watch them in that order because Dax, Dax Shepard is on first. Okay. Kristen Bell is on second. And they are spectacular. I think those are probably my favorites. So yeah, that's <laughs> I watched a lot of that over the holidays while I played a shit ton of Animal Crossing because my youngest kiddo started playing it again. And she's like, come on, play with me, play with me. I'm like, I don't want to. And I was talking to my friend Stacy, who lives next door, like just one of my best friends in the world. And I said to her, I mean, my problem is I see all these islands that other people have created and they're so beautiful and they have all these things and I can't do them. And she's like, oh, they're just custom patterns. You just have to go and download these in the custom pattern library. And I was like, pardon what? <laughs> well, that was the beginning of the end for me. The renovation continues on Friends mm -hmm. Island. It is doing, it looks real shitty now, but it's going to look incredible later. I'm going for like a witchy 
foresty Ooh, cool. kind of vibe. It's going to be like the flowers are mostly going to be black, but some of them will be purple. And then I have some gold roses and I'm going to be putting like, I'm trying to catch recipes to make mushroom stools. So I'm going to put these little mushroom stools all over the island and put these little, do- and I know you're looking at me like, I know, like what? About? Exactly. <laughs> I'm thinking this woodland the- creatures. That's what's in my head. What woodland creatures are you going to have? But like, this is the point I'm making. This is how far <laughs> down the rabbit hole I've gone. So- <laughs> oh, I love it. And you're so excited about it. And I'm so excited about it. And here's the thing, like, is Animal Crossing explicitly queer? No. But, like, you can make your character look gay as hell. You can make the gayest possible island. Like, <laughs> Stacy's island is this beautiful rainbow extravaganza. So you can make Perfect. it as gay as you like. Nice. Yeah, that's my... I. It was such a good... It was such a good... Like, if anyone... If you've ever considered and you are able to take a three-week break from work... (laughs) And I know... Like, here's the thing. I know I am extremely privileged that I work at a company that, A, has generous time off policy, Mm -hmm. and B, actually let me take that block of time. Mm -hmm. But if you can ever do it, 100%, go do it. Live your life. Revamp your Animal Crossing Island. Or actually do something... (laughs) bigger and more interesting but it was so good to just like unplug and step back yeah it was the best that's my official recommendation (laughs) take time off no for real Uh, what's your (laughs) chris what's your official recommendation this week okay my official recommendation is a movie that was released in 2022 around thanksgiving so not that long ago and i rented it through just my cable provider It's a movie called The Inspection, and it highlights a gay black Marine's experience under Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Whoa. I know. That sounds intense. Okay, so uh, it's loosely based on the director Elegance Bratton's own life. He wrote and directed it. So the MC uh, is Ellis French, and he's played by Jeremy Pope. I don't know if you know who Jeremy Pope is. Not offhand. I think if you saw a picture, you'd be like, oh, him. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So he is a gay drug user, homeless, living on the streets. And the movie starts with him reaching out to his mother because he needs his birth certificate to join the Marines. I need to start off by saying that his mother is played by Gabrielle Union. Oh, I know. I love her. Love her. Incredible, incredible ally to the community. I know. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. So, uh, you know, and she's phenomenal in this in this movie. I mean, it's it's obviously, first of all, she doesn't like her son. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure that after like 10 years of lying, stealing, etc., she doesn't believe anything that comes out of his mouth. And so he asks for his birth certificate. And she says, I don't know that I I mean, I don't want to give this to you because it's the last time that I have of you. It's the last thing that I have of you from when you were the person that I loved and knew, you know, because her son has changed so much in 10 years. And like, this is how bad. So he, she lets him in his, in her apartment and she puts down newspaper on her couch for him to sit down because he is that like, just, just like, yeah, unkempt, unclean. And mm-hmm. he's like, I'm really going to join the Marines. And she's like, yeah, whatever. And she's like, well, I'm sure I'll never see you again once I give you this birth certificate. So she's not quite sure why she, why he wants it. Like, what other reason could he have for mm-hmm. for wanting this birth certificate? Yeah. And so she just said, you know, she, she still wanted that piece of him when, you know, her expectations and dreams were still there for him. So, but she yeah. gives it to him. Begrudgingly, she gives it to him. 
And mm-hmm. uh, so he goes and he joins the Marines. So, like, the whole time I'm stressed when he's in uh, basic training. You know, he's athletic yeah. and he's nice. And the whole time I'm worried because, you know, I think he's just going to hit on somebody and, like, shit's going to go down. Yeah. So th- the thing about this is he has, like, he has these little fantasies, daydream fantasies, and you don't know if they're real or not as you're in it. You're like, is this really mm-hmm. happening or is this just one of his little fantasies? And they're his little fantasies most of the time. And he's having a little fantasy while he's in the shower with, like, you know, all these other dudes, marine dudes. And he pops a boner. Oh, no. Yeah. And so they're like, ah, you're gay, you're gay. And they kick his ass. So basically, they they ostracize him this whole time. But he sticks with it. He's like, I'm going to be a marine. I'm going to be a marine. Mm -hmm. It's really, I really liked this movie because, you know, obviously, don't ask, don't tell. They couldn't do anything about it. And he went from this... Uh, It's kind of like, you know, in the Scarlet Letter, how the A changes throughout the time. And so Mm -hmm. for him, he goes from this, you know, everybody's like, oh, you're gay. You know, we don't like you, blah, blah, blah. To at the end, he's, they support him, Mm -hmm. you know. And so it was, it was a, it was a good movie because it showed both sides. It showed, Mm -hmm. I say both sides. It showed, you know, the people who disliked him. And they showed how they came to like him because he's a person. You know, it's not just because of his sexuality. Yeah. And I thought the ending was awesome. You know, and, and like, I'm an Air Force brat. So I know how important, you know, it military is to people. Like, it is family. Military is family. You know, and, and it was very good for him to see him confront his mom and find direction in his life. So I think that mm. if you... You know, and, it, and like I said, it was based on his life, his own experiences. So after basic training, he actually joined the, I'm not quite sure, the film, whatever, military film, something, something or another. And mm-hmm. he gets out of the military after five years and he becomes a director and a producer and he does all these things. So he actually has a couple things under his belt, but this is his so first cool. full length movie. And it was really, really good. So, yeah. Who would you recommend this to especially? I think everybody. I think this is a film for everybody. And we have to go back because I interrupted you when you interrupted me. Ooh, about uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Gabrielle Union. Oh, yeah. yeah. So she is a decorated actor and LGBTQ advocate. And her husband, former NBA star Dwayne Wade, they're known for their public support of the queer community because they have a transgender daughter. I know. I love that. So yes. I did not know that until this movie. Like I had no oh. idea. I did not know that yes. at all. Yes. So. They have both been very, very supportive because it's, she's the daughter's stepmom, right? I think. Oh, I didn't, I, I don't know. Well, I mean, regardless. Yeah. yeah. They've both come out just with nothing but love and support for this child and they have been supportive of her i think she's a teenager now um yeah they've been incredible and to have especially when you look at like Dwayne wade was a huge 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 nba star Mm -hmm. and sports communities are not always the best about queer people so to have somebody like Dwayne wade not only speak out for queer people but like specifically for trans people and i know it's his kid and so like he has real skin in the game mm-hmm. but like to do it so publicly has been so incredible yeah so i just it was it was it's 
You know, it wasn't necessarily a feel-good movie. I mean, in a mm-hmm. way it is. But, like, the five... It was funny. The, the five final words. I think it's the five final words. It's perfect. Like, absolutely perfect. And it means so much. And you understand what those five words mean to him. And it's mm-hmm. it's they're five words that you hear all the time. And nobody really gives it a lot of thought. So you'll have to watch the movie to see what those five words are. But I think it's good I have, for I have anybody. a guess. Oh, you'll ha- we'll have to talk about it afterwards. <laughs> so I think I might know what they are. Yeah. yeah. So I think what I'm hearing you say is that it's not always the easiest film to watch, but it's a very rewarding. It is. Film to it's, watch. it's very rewarding, and and your 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 quote unquote your hero of the story, you see him overcome so many things. And, you know, because you always hear the opposite, like these people who are homeless for 10 years or who have been kicked out and you just you you feel like, OK, it's n- nothing good is ever going to happen to them. They're going to end up, you know, dead in an alley somewhere of an OD or something. Mm-hmm. And this this kid really what I say, kid, this young man really wanted to change his life. And uh, he does. And it's just it's it's like I said, there's still some unsettled unsettling about it something unsettling mm-hmm. about it but at the same time yeah i think I, I think anybody can watch it i really do great yeah so that was my yeah. official recommendation what about yours what is your official recommendation this time okay so my official recommendation is a web series that recently finished and it's called rational creatures and I had never heard of it, and I don't know that I would have, except that they actually, uh, one of the creators reached out to us. They sent an email, and they said, hey, we just finished creating this, like, we just released the the final episode. It would be great if you would give it a chance. It's a contemporary retelling of Persuasion by Jane Austen. And I went, ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Now, I don't actually remember if i've read persuasion before if i did it would have been like 20 years ago ago. right yeah exactly same and i mean i was telling you before we started recording that i couldn't remember if i finished a book that i read three weeks ago so (laughs) like here we are that's not gonna help me with that but one of my favorite jane austen adaptations ever is one of persuasion it's just so beautiful it's the one that has kieran hines in it it's also from around 20 years ago and it just like the way it portrayed longing Mm. is spectacular because this is jane austen's like if we're gonna use a contemporary trope Mm -hmm. it's a second chance romance right so Anna is one of the lead characters. She works in... Sorry, we're going back to the web series now. Okay. (laughs) Because in Persuasion, I believe her name is Anne. Because I didn't read the book, I can't really speak to how was it translated. I'm comparing it to that. I'm comparing it to that other adaptation. Uh, So I'll get to like how was it as an adaptation later. But Anna works for her dad's travel agency. And it kind of starts with him saying... So, you know how I always said you're going to take over this business? And she's like, yep, uh uh-huh. And he said, unfortunately, I can't pay you right now. So that's (laughs) kind of awkward. And I was like, well, fuck. So she has to find another job. Her sister lives in another town that seems to be relatively close 
And her sister's like, well, I could really use some help right now anyway. Her sister has like a chronic illness. And so, and there's like a coffee shop near us that's hiring. So she goes to stay with her sister and her sister's wife. So already queer, like, so there's so, there's so much queer representation in this, but (laughs) I'm getting ahead of myself. And around the same time, her ex, who was like her high school sweetheart, Fred Wentworth, he has been a travel writer for the last eight years, kind of since they broke Mm. up at the end of high school. And he needs to work on a book. And his sister's like, yeah, you know what? Come to my place. Safe place for you to crash. Come hang out. She lives in the same building as Anna's sister and her wife. So these two people are kind of in the same building again. And so it's kind of that like, oh, no, what do we do? And it goes on from there. As you probably know from all of my squeeing and fangirling and embarrassing myself (laughs) talking about Fire Island. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I love a good contemporary retelling of classics. And that's especially true of Jane Austen books. I love seeing how people take it and try to find good ways to adapt to where we are now. One of my other favorite adaptations, actually, is also a web series. It was called The Lizzie Bennet Diaries. It came out (laughs) probably about a decade ago. And it was a web series that retold Pride and Prejudice. Not queer, but brilliant. Mm. This one, also brilliant, but much queerer than the Lizzie Bennet Diaries, (laughs) which is why we can officially recommend it here. So like I said, I haven't read the book, but it has prompted me to start reading the book. So I'm slowly kind of reading it here or there in between the other books I'm reading for review. And comparing it to that other adaptation, though, like, I can see where they were going. I I can sort of see, it's not so much like, a, oh, this character is this character and this one oh, is yeah. this. Like, mm-hmm. there is a little bit of that, especially, especially with the leads, like Fred Wentworth instead of Frederick Wentworth. Anna instead of Anne, because Anna's family is not white. I think they're some kind of, like, Latin family. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, like, it all makes sense, and it makes sense as a contemporary story. I found the characters really interesting, and when I started it, because at first I was like, is this even queer? Like, it's about (laughs) a woman and a man getting together, but, like, both of them are bi. She says it openly in a conversation with somebody else, and we actually see Fred date a dude in the series for a little while. And that's... Again, for me, kind of cool seeing queer at like a very queer opposite sex pairing. And Fred's sister talks about being aromantic, which again is very exciting because I feel like Arrow and Ace people don't show up in in queer media as much as I would like to see for sure. The story, it worked for me. It made sense seeing the way they sort of made their way back to each other by the end. Because again, I said before, it's a second chance romance. That's not really a spoiler. That's the whole point of a second chance romance. <laughs> right. And the thing that I think might interest you is that the music oh, yes. for the series is yes. so good. I think they chose a bunch of indie musicians. I haven't nice. really dug into it. But like, Ooh, I'll have to do that now. Yeah. You would pay more attention to the lyrics than I would because that's just not the way my brain is wired. But the thing that I found was just like the vibe of all the music really influenced the vibe of the series. The music, to me, 
was as much a part of the atmosphere as anything else. Like whoever did all that choosing was just like, bang on, good for them. And I think the other thing that's exciting, and this came from the pitch that they sent, Mm -hmm. but I think is worth sharing is it is like this series was produced by a multinational, all female writing and producing team, which I think is so excited. So one of them's in Canada, one's in the UK, two are in the States. They met through the internet and began working together and they actually crowdfunded to get season two of the show. They had to delay a bit because of the pandemic, but like they did the thing. Yeah. And it's fun. I mean, it's not because it's a web series and they had to kind of like do it all themselves. Like, is it as polished as a movie you're going to see in the theater? No, of course not. But also it's charming as fuck. Like it's, very charming. It's quite sweet. The characters are quite real. And in terms of other representation, like we see someone who has a panic disorder. There's another, like I said, um, on a sister has a chronic illness, like some kind of a rheumatoid arthritis or mm-hmm. something like that. Like it's really so like the representation is so multifaceted. It's so good. And I was so happy at the end. I had that, you know, like that big warm sigh smiling Mm -hmm. whatever that i get at the end of like where i'm just like i love this so much (laughs) for me like when a romance is so good i had that Mm -hmm. like i absolutely had that and the other thing that i thought was kind of funny is they sent it over and i'm like okay there's like 19 episodes and it's uh but they're fairly short like some episodes are five minutes some are some are like 11 or 12 minutes Mm -hmm. i'll watch this over the next week or two i watched it in one sitting (laughs) actually Like, I started it, and then I couldn't stop watching it. That's sweet. Because I just enjoyed seeing all of these characters together so much. And there's a secondary romance between two boys, and it's like a friend pining for another friend romance. And it's so cute. And (laughs) I love it just as much as the main characters, possibly even a little bit more. Mm. Okay. I know. I know. So if you are the kind of person that likes web series, definitely check it out. Even if you're a person who doesn't like web series, I would like to challenge you to at least give it a try Mm -hmm. because the episodes are quite short, very easy to know where and when you can space it. But I dare you to not watch it in one shot because it's just so lovely. That's nice. That's nice. Yeah. That's it. That is all for this episode. This is probably the longest episode (laughs) we've ever done. So if you've stuck it out this long, thank you for joining us. Uh, If you've enjoyed the show, please make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you'll get notified or it'll download whenever we release an episode. Like I said before, if you have a friend that you think would like the show, please, please tell them all about it. And if you would like to support us, we have links in the show notes to our coffee and our newsletter sign up. Or if you want to connect with us on your favorite social media sites, we have links in the show notes to those as well. Or you can just search for Curly Recommended on Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr, TikTok, and Twitter, and it is still standing. Or I it? know. <laughs> or email us at podcast at curlyrecommended.com. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.